Hey folks, this is Wes Colton with the Introvert Unbound podcast. For this episode, we'd like to welcome David Richards. Uh, David founded his company Enveloperty, which is an email system provider at 19 after dropping out of college, which forced him to come out of his introvert shell. Uh, welcome to the podcast, David. Thanks for having me, Wes. Absolutely. So I met David, oh, maybe it was uh, two weeks ago or so at an event, which was for dating. It was a it was a stoplight stoplight dating event. So basically the idea is if you are open and ready to date, you wear green. If you're not sure if you're ready to date, which is a weird status to have, you wear yellow. And if you're with somebody and for some reason you still want to attend that, you wear red. And so um, I was going there to talk to people. I was there with Regina Hopkins, uh, another coach at Introvert Unbound. So we were talking to guys, talking a little bit to women. It was just kind of an interesting situation. And then I came upon David, who was one of the few guys who was kind of being outgoing, who was actually talking to women. And uh, we got talking a little bit, and I found out he was an introvert, and he's still putting himself out there, and he's a really young guy. I believe you're 22 right now? Correct. Yeah, and I was just really impressed with the way he has put himself out there. And I decided to invite him on the podcast to talk about his business, to talk about his personal life. And uh, yeah, so what was your experience of that event? So the main reason that I go to meetups like that, because generally they're not super conducive for actually like, you know, getting something out of it, whether it's like a business contact or, you know, a date or something like that. But what I found is great is using it for practice. Yes. And that red light party was perfect for it, or well, traffic light party (laughs) um was perfect for it because there was a large amount of people there most of them were for the meetup so you already have something inclusive like a nice icebreaker in there but then there is lots of men compared to very few women and so it was kind of um a challenge because usually you know they try and keep to like a one-to-one ratio so it's just you and then the girl talking but then here in the majority of times it was three guys talking to one girl (laughs) so not only do you have to be interesting to the girl but you have to be like more interesting than the other guys around you in order to like get her number and so that was a that was a great practice session Absolutely. There is a fair amount of competition in many ways in terms of numbers. But of course, as we both noticed, most of the guys would just stand around and not really talk to any of the women. There were just a few of us who were chatting there. And I wasn't trying too hard to really hit on anyone very hard, but just at least speaking to the women. A lot of them were kind of hanging out at the pool tables because it was at a pool hall and all that. But yeah, those I, I agree with your assessment of those sorts of events. They're at least interesting to attend and they're good ways to kind of get yourself out of your shell a little more. Absolutely. And particularly for that event, like uh, kind of I've noticed with other meetups and just like bar scenes in general, uh, there are more like individuals. So there will be girls who come, but it's in a group of like two to three. Mm. But what was really odd there was it was before Valentine's Day. So they came of like six to ten. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you really had, to, you know, that was a very novel way to practice because more than just like striking up a conversation, you had to either like try and get one to talk to and like kind of separate her from the group. So you're not talking to like 10 people at once. 
or just figure out some other solution or be really bold and talk to everyone at once. <laughs> yeah, that can be tricky. And, you know, that is often the dynamic when you're out and about uh, at Introvert Unbound, where we work with guys around dating, which is just part of what we do. We also work on other social social situations as well as work stuff. Um, you know, the group is sometimes happens. So yeah, you kind of got to go in there, maybe address the group and then sort of isolate one of the women there. So yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate representation of what was going on there. Yeah, absolutely. And just what was really important when you get those big groups like that is obviously when you talk to everyone at once, you know, you're not really making an impression on particularly anyone because it's, it's such a general kind of like shotgun blast of interest. Right. So I, what I really practice there is kind of the forgive the sales talk, but the, the lead generation aspect. So it's like, okay, out of like a group of 10 people here who actually might find me interesting. And then that was particularly challenging because then they're of course like looking at each other and giggling. So you had to be really sensitive to kind of what messages they might be putting out there. Yeah, no, I don't think that's untoward at all. I think the comparison with business and the dating situation, there is a fair, fair amount of overlap. Um, not that dating itself is a financial transaction, although for some, <laughs> for some people it is, but uh, and no judgment on them. But yeah, in this case, that's a great point because say you're trying to find a client, you realize that not everyone's for you, right? You have to oh, isolate absolutely. this individual is looking for what we have and I'm not going to spread myself thinly and try to apply to you know, to appeal to every single person in the world uh, to buy my product. Same thing in dating. The, a lot of guys will be kind of this chameleon and be like, I will, I will transform to whatever she wants. And, and yeah, I guess that can work to a certain degree, but if you're really going to have any sort of authentic relationships or connections with women, you got to just be yourself and same in your business, right? Cause you're, you are a business owner. Yeah. So I'm the founder of Enveloperty. And then currently my job right now is thought leadership because our product is very new. So we have to educate the entire marketplace about what we do and how it's different and how it's better. So that's a challenge all of them in itself, because not only do you have to talk to someone, but you have to convince them of something they don't even know about which is incredibly difficult. And then furthermore is to close the sale. And so particularly with the area that we're in right now in terms of the maturity of our product is the vast majority of people who might even get benefit out of using our product. They're not interested because it's kind of risky right now. You know, the product isn't as developed as other products are. It doesn't integrate a lot. You know, they haven't, they, we don't have a lot of referrals from other people. So you really have to use remarkable lead generation skills and picking up people who not only could interest with your product, but our early adopters, you know, they're excited by new technology. Right, right. Absolutely. So in terms of being an introvert, and I don't know if you still consider yourself an introvert. I'm, my, my opinion is most people who are in, born introverts usually stay introverts, but they can build up different aspects of their social skills. Uh, but do you still consider yourself an introvert or, or what? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so the way I define myself as an introvert is because I like personally recharge when I'm alone. And then when I'm with others, you know, it's kind of a draining factor. Right. Yeah. And that is the classic definition of introvert. I think there are plenty of misconceptions around it, but I, I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So what challenges did you find in your business being an introvert? I mean, particularly in sales, because that's, that's, that's an introvert's nightmare. 
Oh, absolutely. And what I realized after the fact when I actually had to start selling things is it's worse than sales because in the majority of sales cases, you know, you're with an established company that already has some sales, has their name out there and things like that. And, you know, they have a product that people that's proven that people already want. Mm -hmm. But with our company is we're starting from zero like literal zero. And so all of the interest and all the marketing has to come from me. And so that's like something I'm the most proud of is when I started the company back in 19, uh, when I was 19, uh, we had to develop the product for two years. So that's just building everything from scratch. And so we weren't doing really, uh, you know, sales or talking very much, but it was getting to the point where I had to start thinking about it. Hmm. And just like the simple concept of going out and talking to someone who I didn't know was terrifying. You know, it's like that cold, you know, throw up feeling in your stomach. That's how it felt. Just thinking about it. You know, I, w I wouldn't have to do it for a year, but just thinking about it just made me sick. And now the huge part of my day when I'm not, you know, creating content or doing something like that for marketing is sending out kind of cold emails. And the one I'm really proud of is cold calls. Mm. So the cold call is uh, we, we have people uh, like people in certain careers or in industries who we think would use our product. Mm -hmm. And but we, but we they haven't like opted in. So it's not like we have like a connection. And so the first time I'm reaching out to them is when I call them up. Wow, and yeah. yeah yeah, absolutely. And so it's not like an email where it's this kind of passive thing where it's just like, yo, I'm going to send this off to you and maybe they get back with me. They probably don't. They almost never do. It's like, especially for the real estate agents and the insurance agents that I've been calling is their life revolves around their phone. Right. So every single time they're picking up and furthermore, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, half the time I kind of hope that they don't pick up so yep. I can like, let myself out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm sure half of our listeners right now are, um, they're wondering, yeah, they're, they're quaking in their own boots listening to this because that is a lot of introverts classically hate talking on the phone. And I think most people in general have a little bit of anxiety with calling up you know, anyone they don't know, you know, you're trying to sell to somebody. So that's, that's like the trifecta. That's really difficult. And yet you kept pushing through that. Do you, do you feel like, do you, is it still hard for you? I mean, it's clearly not impossible because you've done it. Like, how has that process changed over time? So a huge resource that I used when we were, I had to first figure this stuff out was by an author named Seth Godin. Uh, have you ever heard of him before? It doesn't ring a bell, actually, no. Okay, so he's, a, he's kind of a marketing guru. And his big thing is with marathon runners, when they run, no matter how fit you are, you know, at the end of the race, they're going to be hurting. Yeah. But the people who finish the race and the people who win furthermore, they are all hurting, but they know where to put the hurt. They know what to do with the hurt and keep moving forward. Hmm. And so that's kind of the piece that really got me from, cause I, I was talking to people at other meetups and stuff like that. So I was like building my skills, yeah. but to take that big jump to the cold calls is okay. You know, everyone's afraid to this day. I'm afraid, right? right? Right. Even like getting ready for the podcast here, you know, I'm nervous and all kinds of things like that. Sure. But the reason I'm able to do this stuff is because I accept that fear. Hmm. And so I'm turning a but to an and. And so most people they'll say, you know, I want to talk to that girl, but I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. And so they don't do it. 
what I do is I want to talk to that girl and I'm afraid. I, so yeah. I'm acknowledging that I'm nervous, yeah. but I'm going to go do it anyways. I, I, I love that you say that. And that's one of the things that intrigued me about you because at Introvert Unbound, we're all about owning the fact that we're introverts. So it's accepting certain you know shortcomings or weaknesses we might have also focusing on our strengths and kind of uh, shoring up our weaknesses to a certain degree. But yeah, accepting certain things. It might be always hard for us to go up to a group of people and say, hello, that's not a reason for us not to do it. And it's like the idea of a hero. Like we like to think of, uh, you know, a Rambo who is obviously fake, but you know, someone who goes in there who has no fear, right? It's like, oh, they're fearless. And here's the thing. If you have no fear, I mean, you're, you're probably a, a sociopath. Like I was about to say the same thing. I was about to use the same word as well right. we all have the fear the real skill is you have the fear can you push through it and overcome it not pretend that the only time that people are able to push through something you know is if they just naturally don't have that fear because that's not a big deal for an extrovert making a cold call it's like for them it might not they're like good i get to talk to somebody because i don't like being alone in my own head so for them it's not overcoming much but for you, you know, that's quite impressive Oh, absolutely. And well, I'm quite jealous of the extroverts who like cold calls. <laughs> they're they're definitely, me, some of them do. They're like, great. I get to chat to people. I get to connect all that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Well, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big thing for me is what really like, so half of me kind of coming out of my shell was by choice mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, you can kind of see that you're missing out on things in life. And so you have to try but then the other half is when I started the company, you know, this is what I was doing. So when I started the company, I was 19, I had dropped out of college. And so this, this startup, this company was, you know, really what I was investing in to make my career. And so what came out of it was kind of a zero sum game <laughs> where it's like, I know you're uncomfortable, but if you don't go out and sell your product, you're not going to eat. Right. So which would you rather do? Would you rather be uncomfortable or would you rather eat? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the question. But you you might find that some people would just rather stay comfortable and not eat. Sadly, there are some people <laughs> like that, you know, maybe, maybe not figuratively or, or more figuratively than literally. But there are a lot of folks out there who who realize, hey, this is how I can have success or how I can move forward. But it's going to be a little hard. So a lot of people will just, you know, maybe not starve to death, but they'll find the easy route out. But you, you chose not to do it that way. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm, I have to, uh, reassure myself of my decision every day, mm -hmm. <laughs> as we mentioned before, mm -hmm. still an extra or an introvert. Yeah. And so still nervous to do all of this. But personally, I found a uh, kind of television really helped a lot because for me personally, both my mother and my father are introverts. Yeah. So I didn't really have like role models to kind of teach me how to go out and be brave in terms of like social situations. And so one of the things that kind of flipped the switch on for me and made me start thinking about what to do was a show called The West Wing. Uh, have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't watched the show, but I'm familiar with it. But maybe tell folks a little bit about it. So it's a, a kind of a political show. It's about the West Wing and the White House, which is where the executive branch is. And what's really remarkable about this show is that the level of dialogue is just extraordinary. Hmm. And so you're going to hear dialogue in these scenes that you're not going to hear really anywhere else, like in real life or in a TV show. And so that kind of opened my eyes 
to what is possible when you're an effective communicator. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not real, right? It's a TV show. Sure. But what I realized is that the people who wrote the lines for the characters are real. And the actors who delivered the lines so perfectly, well, they're real. Mm. So what's stopping me from practicing, practicing, practicing such in situations like this? So hopefully I can go out and I can be as an effective communicator as they are. Great. Well, see, I really like how you emphasize the concept of practicing because what I find with a lot of introverts is they'll basically say, hey, you know what? I'm not good at you know, striking up conversations with random people, or I'm not good at, you know, maybe being able to deliver a monologue in a podcast or interview people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, nobody is naturally really good at any of those things. All of them are a matter of practice. And maybe for introverts, it is a bit more challenging for us. You know, it it took me years to be able to develop my speaking skills. And, you know, still, even on the podcast, because of the way my mind works, I'm not always the most fluid person in the world, but I keep that in to show people, look, I'm an introvert. I have my limitations, but I've also been able to kind of flex my social muscle over time to improve. So I, I'm really glad that you bring up the importance of practice. And and what what would you say to somebody who, like, what do you think maybe is going on in the mind of somebody who is just, you know, naturally not good at something and just kind of decides to prevent themselves from ever moving forward in that like what is that is that just a fear is that an insecurity what do you think so i think it's uh it's a grand lie because when i was in high school when i was very young and was still very much like an introvert wasn't talking i always thought that the, the people i saw around me who were good talkers I thought they were just born that way. And I thought that, well, I'm not like that. So it's over for me. And then I was learning to program, which is a very introverted task. And the community is very introverted. So the people around me were sharing that perception that there are some people who talk and then there's other people who aren't. Mm -hmm. But what I realized when I was forced to kind of get out there and try is that actually those talkers, they weren't born as talkers. Everyone is the same human No one was born with some special advantage, but the people who are good at talking, the difference between them and the introvert who isn't is that the person who talks has practice and has failed and they learn from those failures. And so now not only have they realized that failing isn't that bad, it's not lethal, you know, it'll be embarrassing, but you can recover and then you won't make that mistake again. And so when you see all these people, you know, I'd kind of say that the ultimate talkers, so to speak, yeah. are kind of the talking heads that you'll see on most um, major news outlets. So for like economics and stuff, where their profession is talking to a national audience. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're able to do that is because they failed a thousand times. Sure. And my goal is to try and try and try again. And throughout that, I'll both succeed and fail. But finally, I'll fail enough times and learn from those failures that I'll be as good as those talking heads or the people who write for episodes. Yeah. Yeah. The fear of failure, it's kind of a big deal. And if you have a lot of negative social interactions, you're going to be less likely to engage. And and I do think extroverts might have a leg up, at least in this way, if if they naturally enjoy and kind of require for their own energy to be able to interact with people, they're going to be more likely to just be talking all the time. And therefore, they're basically getting in 10 times as much practice speaking as an introvert. Oh, absolutely. 
And um, yeah, so I do also like what you say about the the failure component and and just being being willing and accepting of the fact that you are going to fail over time and that's the only way you move forward. I think that's just general advice for anyone, introvert or extrovert. I just think, for, and I haven't been able to put my thumb on this, but I feel as if sometimes introverts take social failures, quote failures, harder than extroverts, maybe because they internalize everything and you know an extrovert might just say something stupid and then they laugh it off they're like whatever and they're on to their next thing an introvert yeah. will like obsess over it for days I can't believe i said <laughs> oh, that i've been there <laughs> and nobody even remembers like we make such a big deal we're so in our own heads you know which can be great in some ways but you know sometimes we sabotage ourselves oh absolutely but i mean again this is where i really like to think about you know, most humans are the same. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert. Everyone has those situations where they biff something up really bad and no one there remembers, but you remember for a long time. Uh, There's a comedian called Bill Burr, which had a really funny interview where he was talking about that exact situation. So Bill Burr is a stand-up comedian. So, I mean, I thought cold calls are bad. Can you imagine standing up in front of an audience and having to make them laugh? Yeah. Okay, so what a talent. What an absolute talent. But then he talks about how so frequently he'll mess things up when he's communicating with someone. And the person, you know, it's not that bad, but it's just kind of embarrassing for him. So like a week afterwards, so in a time when you should have forgotten about it, you know, he'll be in the shower thinking and it'll just like creep up on him. It'll be like, oh, I can't believe I said that. That's so embarrassing. And spend five minutes thinking about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that's, that's the unfortunate feedback loop in our minds that will keep us from putting ourselves out there a lot because I know a lot of introverts who kind of – they don't start as antisocial because being an introvert does not mean you're antisocial. It means like you want socializing in limited doses. But after a while, I think a lot of introverts do become antisocial just because they've had, you know, a lot of challenging experiences and, and they've kind of, maybe they've pushed themselves a little bit, but they haven't been resistant enough to keep pushing over time. You know, whereas somebody like you uh, clearly, for whatever reason, I mean, do you, do you think you're you're special? Like, were, were you born special that you have the ability to push through, or do you think anyone can really build those skills over time? Oh, I absolutely believe in nurture over nature. I think what really develops a person is the situation around them. Right. And as you mentioned, who knows? I mean, right now I'm very goal oriented. Right. And so even more than just like you know, I have to make this sale so I can afford to eat, and all those like very critical drivers. It's like when I go out and I try and get a date, yeah, I'm very greed oriented. I don't particularly like that kind of difficult exchange when you're like breaking the ice. But what I really, really enjoy is when you get a date with a really hot girl. And so that's kind of what like drives me through those conversations and pushes me to go out there is kind of like an internal greed, I guess. Okay. So what I really recommend for people who are having a big problem with getting out there is to set goals for yourself. And instead of, you know, focusing on how uncomfortable you are in the moment, think about trying to achieve those goals. So whether it's like, you know, a very, uh, deliberate goal, such as like getting a date or landing a sale or getting a job or something like that. Just in general, try and watch yourself progress over time. Mm -hmm. Right. Setting goals is really important. Uh, When we work with folks, yeah, we want people to have an idea of what they're saying, 
trying to accomplish in the dating. It's just like, oh, I just want to date. It's like, well, what does that mean? Are you looking for a wife? Are you looking for, you know, a intimate partner? Are you looking for a hookup? Like you need to know what you're going after, you know, for it to really work. Like, um, it's kind of like when a, like a big fish is going after a school of fish. Like you can't just bite into the school. You got to pinpoint one of those fish and kind of go for it. Not to make the analogy of, of hunting, but it's kind of nature has a lot of parallels. I think that that work. And and you mentioned the word greed, which I think a lot of people can take in a negative connotation. Do you think also another way of looking at it is just kind of, you know, like you said, goal oriented, um, taking care of, of your basic needs and wants so you can be a happy functioning person and then contribute to society as a whole. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the big thing for me is the way I look at greed mm -hmm. is simply, you know, people want things. That's right. how we are. And so greed is just kind of going out and get them, getting them. And so I only see greed as a bad thing when it goes overboard. You know, when you're deliberately hurting people to put yourself ahead. Sure. But in most situations, actually, I feel that when you're more when you're a better communicator, when you're more lively, you're actually helping the people around them. Because generally when people show up to an event, like assuming you're not just like kicking down someone's door or something like that, yeah. is when you go to a bar, those people are out there because they want to be around other people and they generally want to talk. Mm -hmm. And so when you're out there talking to people and kind of stirring things up, you know, you're benefiting everyone as well as yourself. Right. Yeah. So you're bringing value to the situation. So you're not just taking, you're also giving, but at the same time, you're like, Hey, I'm here for a reason. I, I am interested in a date. I'm going to see and do what I can do to get a date. Absolutely. And just the big thing that really worked for me is that you have to keep your goals maintainable. And so you can't expect to go out at you know, the, your first time going to a bar and expect to go home with, you know, the prettiest girl in the bar. Mm -hmm. You need to keep your goals manageable and just keep in mind, like, you know, chant to yourself that progress is progress. And if you keep making progress, eventually you'll get to where you want. And so the big thing for me is just like, you know, the, I, I, Let's see, I've been in Denver for about a year now. Mm -hmm. And so I still vividly remember the first time I went to the bars on Larimer Street mm -hmm. and had to like psych myself up to go talk to people. And then that was my goal for the night is just to go out and start conversations. And then once I was able to do that, you know, you get that kind of endorphin release when you accomplish a goal. As you're going home, you're like, oh, cool, you know. I was really scared, but I talked to all these people, progress. Mm -hmm. And then the next time you go out, we'll not only start the conversation, but then try and get the person to laugh or something like that. And then try and reach that goal. And then the next time you go out, do something else. And so you'll it's manageable because it's step by step by step. Yeah. So you're constantly like rewarding yourself with good feedback. But then before you know it, you're like getting people's numbers and you're the life of the party and things like that. Yeah. And that is a really accurate representation of the process. It's the baby steps, but you need to take those steps. And I think a lot of people, uh, they, they don't always go about it the right way. So, so you do need 
guts in the beginning, you know, to take that first baby step. A lot of people don't have that because they need to work on other stuff, other stuff about themselves. You know, maybe they have a lot of doubts and insecurities or even trauma, and they really need to work on that to be able to even push themselves a bit. But once you develop the guts to just be like, I'm going to jump in that pool, you do it. Then you need to have the patience because there are people who are like, all right, here I am out there. I went out, I went out for three nights and I, I don't have a girlfriend. And it's like, Dude, you, you gotta have patience. Like I play guitar, I'm a musician, and I've I talk to people, and you know, some people, you know, will say, "Yeah, oh, I tried playing guitar, but I, I was just never any good at it." I'm like, "Oh, cool. How long did you practice for?" They're like, "Oh, I don't know, like like a month." And it's like you're you're gonna suck for a year. Like that yep. is what learning to play guitar is. And so I found that really interesting. I'm like, I, I wasn't born with a spark. I'm not like an amazing musician anyway. But for me, it was just persistence and the idea of being great in a year. That's uh, that's that's ridiculous. Of course, there is the situation of if you are constantly struggling and uh, you're just beating your head against the wall, you know, say, I like just strumming the guitar even when I sucked at it. So that's why I kept at it. If you're naturally averse to socializing and it's very difficult for you, it's understandable that if you have enough failures in a row, you might want to stop, which is why, like you said, those those incremental steps, you know, those little small steps. Tonight, I just want to talk to to three people and tonight I want to make somebody laugh or whatever. And that's it. You don't have those pie in the sky dreams right away. I agree to such a high degree because what's really funny is I just started learning electric guitar. <laughs> okay, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And so that that was and I the most important aspect of what you just said is the part where this is really hard, it's going to take a long time, but if you enjoy it, you'll keep going. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the most important piece is to not make this such a tortuous process. You need to enjoy it, even when you're doing really poorly, as I am. I've only been doing this for about two months. And so, like, my big accomplishment is that I remember which notes to play. I can't play them correctly. I can't play them, like, in the right rhythm. I mess them up frequently. But when you play that note just right and it sounds like the song, it's magical. Yep. And so when you go out and even if you botch nine out of ten conversations, that one conversation that you do, which is really well, if you can find an immense amount of enjoyment out of it, then it'll keep you coming back for more. Yeah, no, that's that's the perfect way of phrasing it. And yeah, it would be ideal in all the situations to be able to have fun. I, I think it's a matter of, you know, finding an aspect that is fun because you know, I go, I go by my own example when I decided, Hey, I need to start going out on a regular basis out to bars, out to social events, things like that, and start talking to people. And at first, I mean, it, it really wasn't fun. Um, and, and I really did have to push myself to, to just get out there. Of course, before very long, I was able to find aspects of it that were always fun and being able to tell the difference. And this is what I have a question for you is like, how can, how can you tell the difference between something that's just a little bit challenging and, and, and difficult in the moment and over time it's worthwhile and just you're beating your head up against the wall. You're going in the wrong direction. It's actually just, um, just torture for you? How, how do you distinguish between those two, the pushing your comfort zone and just pushing yourself off the cliff? That's a very good question. In general, I think in the beginning, a lot of 
the challenges that you're going to face are going to seem like those, um, you know, beat your head against a rock and jump off a cliff things. And so what I see is really useful is having people such as you around who can be there and be a role model and then find someone that you can look up to or who can help guide you and watch what they do and just kind of think to yourself, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. And so I can imagine, I guess, if you have a friend or like for me, you know, watching TV, even though it wasn't very real, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like a stage situation. It's just like um, one of the characters in the West Wing who I really looked up to was a character named Sam Seaborn, who just had these like amazingly eloquent paragraphs that he would talk about. And so my thing whenever I would go out to a bar is I'd kind of measure myself against the character of Sam Seaborn and be like, okay, you know, I can fail, but as long as I sound more and more eloquent like he does, you know, it's still a success. And then the big one is just don't be afraid to iterate. So there's kind of a difference between pivoting and iterating. So a pivot is when, you know, you pretty much entirely change your direction. But an iteration is kind of just when you you move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right to kind of help maintain your course. And so the big one for me is that, you know, uh, on Halloween, I had one of my worst experiences. <laughs> hmm. um, so I was down at a bar and then there was four girls from Sweden there hmm. who are all just like – you know, supermodel hot. And so I was brave enough to like take a shot at it because I was like, you know, hey, this is going to happen all the time. And then in general, I don't know if it was like, you know, something I did or whether it was like a language barrier thing because their their English wasn't as well. And of course, I know zero Swedish right. or even if that is the language. <laughs> um, you know, I finally left when I felt all four of them were talking about me in Swedish and laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> but the nice thing from that is that I learned where kind of the, the upper limits of me, of, you know, of my capabilities are. Sure. And I was able, I didn't, I didn't leave the bar. I didn't give up. I didn't give up for a month. Right. Yep. It's like, you know, you go get another beer, you chug the beer, you get another beer. <laughs> And then you're like, okay, I'm not going to go for like the Swedish supermodels this time. And then you tr you go for someone who looks more approachable. And then now you have context. So I had more success talking to those people. And so that was a nice way to kind of, you know, figure out the difference between, you know, something that has, you know, something that's productive to pursue versus something that you should think about giving up well okay, that that's a really interesting experience there and i and um, i am actually going to push back a little bit on that because i think you were right to approach them and i would say that in in no situation should you necessarily doubt yourself there's a difference between say all right i'm going to start up some pie in the sky business that will never work but really what what are what are the negative repercussions of talking to a woman who you think might be difficult to attain like why I, I'm curious as to, you know, as somebody who is clearly confident, who has puts himself out there, but you're saying, oh, maybe in the future I won't talk to the, the Swedish supermodels. I ask you, why not? Well, uh, it was good to do it once. Okay. <laughs> I was I was glad I was brave enough to do it once. But then it kind of educated me to kind of uh, the level of proficiency I had for kind of wooing other people. <laughs> 
And so for me, that was definitely, I mean, I'm talking about it now and this happened like back in October. So it had a, uh, shall we say, lasting effect. And then particularly if you're new to kind of being out there or you're trying something new and you're not feeling super comfortable, Mm -hmm. um, that can destroy your morale. Mm-hmm. And then that's the only thing if you're if you're strong enough to kind of take that hit and keep moving on, which I hope you are, then like by all means, like keep trying and keep learning. Right. But certainly for I'm sure a few of the listeners here, <laughs> if that happened to them, we probably wouldn't see them outside for like a month or two. <laughs> that that's entirely possible, but if you're approaching, you know, uh, the the hard to catch fish and something like that, um, isn't it even less of a letdown? Let's say you were trying to talk to some woman who maybe you didn't find that attractive and she shot you down. Like <laughs> it, it's <laughs> happened too. <laughs> so, I mean, which is more painful, you know, but I, I totally, really good point. but I see what you're <laughs> saying. Um, I personally don't limit myself like that, but I do think you have to know where you're at and you have to know, okay, this would potentially crush me. Um, at the same time, it, it didn't crush you. And I, I posit that it might've made you stronger. So I definitely recommend that at some point in time, the next time you see the, the Swedish supermodels, maybe, maybe you won't be ready next month, maybe not Round the month two. after, but, um, in a few months, um, you know, you, you might be ready cause you're doing it. You're doing an excellent job and, like I said, the reason I invited uh, David onto the podcast is because he's a young guy. He's 22. Man, if, if I had been able to project myself and put myself out there the way David does uh, when I was, I mean, 22, man, that, that would have changed my life. So, so I'm really impressed with David, and I'm really glad that you were able to come on the podcast. And wh- why don't you tell folks uh, how they can get a hold of you and how they can uh, find out more about Enveloperty? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Enveloperty is an email system uh, and then that's really focused on combating spam and phishing as well as being a catalyst for relationship professionals such as salespeople, agents. Uh, so if that sounds of interest to you or your business, by all means, uh, go to our website, enveloperty.com, or you can email us at getstarted@enveloperty.com. And then furthermore, if you thought what I said was interesting or you have some comment, um, then you can email me at outsingle.com. And then this is kind of the cool way that our email system works is that in order to get a hold of me, just have your first name and your last name at outsingle.com. And then I'll receive that email from you. And then I'll know it's from you because no one else kind of knows your name. Okay. Very cool. Excellent. Well, thanks again, David. Uh, Really glad to speak to you and hope to touch base with you sometime in the near future. Hey, folks, this is Wes Colton, coach, CEO, and founder of Introvert Unbound. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and got something out of it, and I hope you stay tuned for future episodes by subscribing on Podbean, iTunes, or however else you found us. If you yourself are an introvert and resonate with our message, I also recommend you go to introvertunbound.com and sign up for our free monthly email newsletter with our latest articles, videos, and other introvert-related stuff. And if you're really looking to level up your dating, social, and work life, email me at introvertunbound at gmail.com for your free half-hour, zero-obligation online consult to help you come up with a game plan to harness your strengths, shore up your weaknesses, and become the introvert unbound.